Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. It's been a minute. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. We hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving, a restful holiday weekend. We know it was a pretty good one for the Cats down in Orlando. Men's team had a great week. Women's team's looking to bounce back. Chris, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Caught up on some sleep. Enjoyed food as always, and uh, good to, to see you're back from your vacation as well. Oh, see, I wish it was a vacation. Oh, man. So, apologies on not having an episode on Tuesday. So, originally, it was going to be a vacation. Finally, after working for what was it? I, I counted, it was like 25 of the last 27 days going into Sunday. I was able to swing Monday and Tuesday off. But then what happened was, you know, it was going to be a nice little trip, a little getaway. Finally got that day off on Thanksgiving, but then was just working on Saturday and Sunday. So Monday and Tuesday was going to be my days off. And then I got sick and then I was bedridden and I couldn't move and it was miserable. I'm going to spare everyone the the horrible details, but I'm just glad to be back because I'm feeling a lot better. We're back here. We're in the studio. We're talking. We're recording. State of Nova Nation's back. And it felt like a long time. Felt like a long time. Yeah, especially with only one episode last week. It it feels like it is uh it's been quite a bit, but hey, we get to return to some good news. Oh yeah, it was a great time. Just as we talked about before going to Thanksgiving weekend and the Advocare Invitational, we said to keep the hands off the panic button. Chris, I don't know about you, but this tournament made me feel pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Yeah, it felt real good to, to win again, especially with the Kanisha's victory. It was like, all right, you know, off the schneid after the past two losses to Michigan and Furman, and which seemed like an eternity ago now. And it was like, all right, you know, good good to get a win. And then Oklahoma State, you're a little concerned, but felt like they could take care of business, and they did, blowing them out. And then with Florida State, you're like, all right, finally, one of these Thanksgiving tournaments, you got a big-time matchup, and you were able to take care of business and show that, you know, Maybe things aren't so bad. Oh, yeah. It was the winning that we're all very much used to, especially in recent years. First up on Thanksgiving Day, Nova getting that appetizer in at the Advocare Invitational with a big win over Canisius. They won 83 to 56. Then the following day, Black Friday, they came back, took care of Oklahoma State, beat them down 77 to 58. Then there was some good college football that day on that Saturday. That crazy, insane LSU-Texas A&M game held us over until Sunday for the finale, the championship game against Florida State. I really wanted LSU, but either opponent, as we talked about going in, you know, my, my mind said Florida State, but my heart said LSU. But Nova got to take on Florida State in the championship game. Seminoles coming off of that tough overtime win, and then it was just another tough battle. Very big defensive battle. But Nova was able to outlast and take down, got the key plays it needed in the second half to really put Florida State away. Big, big win. 66-60 in the championship game. Chris, I don't really want to go through game by game. We're probably a little late on that, and people probably have dissected everything on comments boards and all that and read the recaps. Mm-hmm. So let's just look at the tournament as a whole. We have this big break in between the Advocare Invitational Orlando trip to the next game, which is this weekend against LaSalle. What were some takeaways? You know, what stood out to you on Thanksgiving weekend? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's one that's pretty big, pretty obvious, and that's the big man down low, Demir Kazi Roundtree. Mm -hmm. What were some of your highlights? What stood out to you over this weekend? I had a lot jotted down. Same here. 
as a team, I the defense got significantly better. It seemed to be on par for what we usually expect from this team defensively. It, it wasn't breaking down as much. Not a lot of bad switches. Everyone seemed to be on their game. I mean, every now and then they get blown by on a dribble drive, specifically uh, some of the wings. But you know, it's it's it was fine. I thought it was pretty good, especially in the Florida State game. I thought they locked down pretty well. They were able to hold their ground especially with the uh, offense going pretty cold for like a 12, 14-minute stretch there in the beginning of the first half, uh, or in the middle of the first half, I should say. So it, it was good to see the defense finally getting together, and that's what we said last week. We said if the defense can take care of business, if they can take care of business on the defensive end, the offense will come, and that's exactly what happened over these past three games. And then, yeah, individually, DCR, man, oh, man, what an absolute beast performance from him all three games. Double-double the first game, flirted with a double-double the second game, and then the third game was perfect from the field on top of getting some big-time boards against Florida State, who was pretty big down low. So that was an absolutely phenomenal performance by him. And we were saying last week, we got to build upon those performances against Furman. And it looked like the Michigan game kind of woke him up because he struggled a little bit there, turned the, turned the corner against Furman, and is now beasting it up down low and was able to take home MVP honors. And I just want to highlight as well that Colin Gillespie, or should I say Connor, according to ESPN, had an absolutely fantastic game against Florida State. He hit some big-time free throws at the end when everybody seemed to be missing him. He had some big-time shots when the offense needed to get going. He was my MVP of that game specifically, obviously DCR of the tournament. But Gillespie showed up big-time in that final game against Florida State. And then the seniors showing up against Oklahoma State Pascal dropping 20 in the first half. Phil Booth had a great game. Kind of slipped up a little bit in the Florida State game, I would say Booth did. Pascal, was, was I thought he was fine. I think his uh, three, of, three of four missed free throws towards the end of the game to close out where it left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But nonetheless, they were able to close it out, so it really didn't all that matter. But the senior showed up, which is what we were clamoring for last week as well. So between that... DCR taking a big step forward and Gillespie showing up uh, specifically big time against Sparta State just meshed for a great tournament run there. Connor, quote unquote, Connor Gillespie. I have no idea what that was all about. That was pretty yeah. bad. I don't, I don't, even, I didn't really get it. You would think, and it's Carl Ravage too. Like I like Carl Ravage. He's pretty good with, he was pretty good with baseball on ESPN and he, he's done Villanova games in the past. He did the tournament last year with Dickie V and then I don't know, I, I guess it just slipped his mind. Yeah, there were Michael Bridges, Connor Gillespie, Ryan Archie Diacomo. Oh yeah, they always add an extra syllable into his name, Diacono. That, that was yeah. that was that was one. That might have been the Fox Sports guys, but still. Yeah, but still, Co- Colin, come on, come Colin, on. I yeah, Colin, especially yeah. he, he was balling. He was balling. Yeah, no, he, he balled out. Yeah, brass. <laughs> yes, brass. Yes, seventeen points. He really impressed me, and we we know we've been hard on the CG train. Uh-huh. And, but he had a very good tournament. DCR had a great tournament. I was really happy to see him really blossom and really step it up. I was a really big fan of him last season when he was a freshman. I enjoyed seeing him in the first half. We saw that he had pretty solid minutes. And then obviously, as we got further into the season, March came around, postseason tournaments, his minutes started to kind of dwindle, which, I mean, when EP and Omari Spellman are having the tournament performances of their lives, not really much, you know, why why go anywhere else? Why why not have them out on the floor? But now seeing DCR, full-time starter, big man, I'm really loving what I've seen from his game. 
it can only go up from here, which is scary and which is also great at the same time. And it's kind of funny to think that, you know, when it came to that recruiting class that he was in, he was kind of the, I, I don't want to say the afterthought, but, you know, when it, in terms of hype, there was Jermaine Samuels, the highest rated guy in that class. Mm-hmm. Colin Gillespie, the local kid, lighting it up against Quaddy Green and all those guys in the Philadelphia Catholic League, beating DCR, leading Archbishop Wood to his state title. The two-star guy that clearly was higher ranked than that. And then it just kind of felt like DCR just kind of got pushed off to the side a little bit. Yep. And he's doing great. You look at Sadiq Bey starting. Love it. Mm-hmm. And he was another guy who, in his class, kind of pushed off to the side a little bit. Yeah. Kind of added it late add-on. Could have gone to NC State. Thank God he didn't because he's been great for us so far. And then, as you said, the senior leadership was very much apparent in that tournament. I think it seemed like the, the there was a fire again. The The feeling was a lot better this time around, especially after that Oklahoma State game. Felt pretty good going into that Florida State game. Yeah, for sure, especially with, with Booth's performance against uh, Oklahoma State and, and Pascal's. I mean, both the seniors' performance against Oklahoma State, it felt like they kind of got their confidence back. Then with the Florida State game, like I said, Booth kind of dropped off a bit, but I still feel like he had it. It wasn't the greatest game. He was kind of forcing some shots, turned the ball over three times. But Pascal, it looked like at some points he wanted to just take over. He had that big-time dunk as retribution for Kevin Gelly dunking all over Sadiq Bey. Just good to see that, you know, these guys finally hitting their shots again because, man, oh, man, this team is going to struggle if they're not contributing, as we saw against Furman in Michigan. And... Now that they were able to, they were able to beat the number 14 team in the nation at the time. So that's a, it's a pretty promising sign. But yeah, with your Sadiq Bay point, he kind of struggled a bit against Florida State, I felt like. He seemed a little bit passive, at least compared to other games. But he had that huge basket at towards the end of the game there, just drive to the basket and then threw it off the backboard and in. That was big. That was big time. You wouldn't expect a freshman to do that. He did do that, and it proved dividends, especially towards the end of the game. So, yeah, I, I was pretty impressed with him. And he also hit, like, one of the rare threes against Florida State. I think the team only had hit three, and two of them were early in the game. He hit the lone one in the second half, and that was right after Florida State had just gone down and hit a three. So just to show the moxie there to step up and hit a big shot when nobody was hitting the, long, the three ball on Sunday was pretty big. and. Like you said, the fact that he was kind of forgotten about and is playing the way he is now and the way the PCR is playing as well is uh, pretty special. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's not taken away, you know, I, looking at some of their classmates, as we said, Gillespie, great tournament as well. We knew that going to the season, he was going to get some big minutes starting now. And then looking in base class, Cole Swider getting some minutes off the bench. And he had to play some late game minutes against Florida State because Booth was in foul trouble. So slight increase on what's going on with Swider right now. Yeah. Uh, he didn't look as bad as I thought he did in previous games. No, he, he showed us some improvement in that Oklahoma State game. You could tell his shot was uh, was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And with Joe Cremo, I know that some people were freaking out about him not knocking down some dagger shots or some crucial shots. I think it was just more of a case of just him having a cold shooting day against Florida State. But honestly... His offense is great. It's it's awesome. He's a great shooter. Knocked down for the most part. Leads the team right now in three-point shooting percentage. But his defense, I get that I'm not freaking out too much about it. And I know that's kind of been a topic that some people have And that. Is he a liability? He is still relatively new to the system. 
But if this is the case, you know, later down the line, Big East play might have to take a step back with him. Might have to take a step back with him. Yeah, the thing the thing with him is, like you mentioned, if he's not going to – he had two open threes against Florida State, one of which would have probably had been a dagger type three toward the end of the game there, and he just flat out bricked it. And the point is, like, if he's going – if he's not going to hit the open shots, why why have him out there? Because he let's, – let's be honest, he is a defensive liability as of right now. And I know you said – that if you're not too concerned, but I feel like I am a little bit. I just I don't see him improving that much on defense down the line. I think he is what he is at this point defensively. But if you'll take you can take that if he's going to hit the open shots, especially the big ones to put teams like Florida State away. But the fact that he wasn't is it's kind of concerning. Obviously, those shots will fall down the line. I would I would feel he's too good of a shooter to not have those shots fall. But at the same time, if if he's struggling from the field, you got you got to pull him. We'll see though. We'll see because I, you know, shooters shoot, shooters shoot, baby, shooters shoot, and and we know Cremo can. Now, just looking at other things, just looking, zooming out a little bit, and looking at the team as a whole. One thing that I found interesting is that compared to the last couple of seasons, and this is definitely a testament to the talent and the players and the guys of such high caliber that we lost over the last couple of years, but the tempo offensively has dropped just like at this year's cat so they're ranked 328th in adjusted tempo compare that to last year's they were 150th we know the type of players they had last year possibly one of the greatest offensive performances of a college basketball team ever you look at that and just compare it to this season you know slow roll slower tempo but it's not a bad thing still pretty efficient even though the three-point shots still aren't you know it's not up to par compared to the last five six years but overall this offense has been efficient it's a top 10 according to Ken Palm, that is something that stood out to me, and the turnovers. Still a problem. That was pretty bad, especially against Canisius. Uh, I was shocked that they were turning over that much. And then, and then they were able to drop the turnovers throughout the tournament, the total turnovers in each game, but still, like they got to clean up on that end significantly. Yeah, and the scary part is is that Eric Pascal and Phil Booth, two senior captains, account for a huge chunk of them. Yeah. And so does Jermaine Samuels, who we've seen his role kind of slide away. We're not exactly sure what's going on over there, but his minutes have been steadily dropping as of late. Yeah, he looks kind of lost out there, I hate to say it. But at least last year he was a freshman, so you can kind of give him a pass and also with the injury and all. But now like it's still like there. He's still kind of out in the open sometimes i feel like on defense and then offensively he does put himself in good position sometimes but it's not good enough and he seems very hesitant with the ball and seems to be pivoting a lot and just turning it over and getting it stripped away from him like right underneath the basket he is still fairly young though i mean he is just a sophomore so a couple years a couple years left no i know it's just a little concerning that he's kind of progressed the slowest out of that recruiting class that we were just mentioning and really hasn't shown any significant flashes so far this year i will say i have been pleased with his effort on the board that he he really crashes it pretty well for his yeah. position yeah no that'll give him at least you know if you're gonna struggle in other aspects of the game at least try to find one that you know you're, you're strong in and he's certainly doing that well i'll give you that but just looking at the turnovers though does that concern you do you think that's something that will get better although we did finally get to see a game where the opponent actually had more turnovers than Nova, and that was against Florida State, 16 to 12. Mm-hmm. We talked about this game one or even game two, game one yeah. or game two, and we were like, is this something or nothing? And uh, so far, it's still something. It's still, still something. 
Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but I think a little bit has to do with the fact that this team doesn't have a true ball handler. Booth and Gillespie is a primary ball handler. He's bringing up the ball over the timeline there, and it just seems they're a bit uncomfortable. I just don't think Phil Booth's exactly the best primary point guard out there. I think he's better off ball. I just I don't want to say anything blasphemous, but I think that's a fair assessment, especially with the fact that he's he's been struggling in the turnover department, as you had just mentioned. I don't know how they're going to remedy that. They have a perfectly good option on the bench, but he's not playing right now for reasons that I understand, for reasons I don't, but he's just not playing right now. So you got to work with what you got. And right now, I don't really think that the point guard position is uh, run by a true ball handler. And I think that's leading to a lot of turnovers. But also, there's a lot of turnovers where the team is just passing to guys who are cutting and when they thought they wouldn't be cutting or vice versa. And it's just sloppiness all over the place. So I I feel that once the team kind of gets familiarized with each other, but I think some of them will still stem from the fact that you just don't have a true ball handler yet. I mean, to be fair, I don't think CG's that bad. No, and, I think he's he's been okay. Yeah, and with Phil Booth, I do agree. I do think he's better served off ball, and he can do it. I mean, it's just a matter of is he that good or right. is he better served just playing off ball, which I think he is. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into our, our next point. It's always a hot topic. It's always it's always talked about. It's always going around. Where where, where was Jelly? Where was Jelly JQ? Where was he? You don't want to see him? Yeah, well, he he showed up he in the, showed first, up in the game, first game, and he was, uh, and I he showed reasons why he should be playing. He also showed reasons why he shouldn't be playing. There were a couple of possessions there where he was dribbling around trying to create his own shot, and he would turn it over or get blocked under the basket. He'd be like, "Well, I guess that's why he's not playing." At the same time, you're probably thinking, "I think," or, I mean, me and you both kind of thought this that he was kind of pressing. He wanted to make the most of his opportunity because he knows he hasn't had a lot of those yet this year. So he was trying to do the most that he can, even though it probably wasn't beneficial to the team or to eventually himself. But he also provided some good things on offense. I thought he did all right. He hit one shot from deep out of the only two he took. He only had nine points, two assists, three boards, and 15 minutes of action. But as I mentioned with the turnovers, they were a problem. He had four of them. So he's do he does some good things and then does some bad things. And I just... It just seems that he's got to play a perfect game for to force Jay's hand to play him. And his Jay's hand was forced in this game because he played because Phil Booth and Gillespie got into real early foul trouble. So he had his opportunity. It wasn't an extended opportunity, but he had a chance. And I felt that because of that, it was he probably felt it was going to be a limited chance. He was dribbling a bunch and trying to do too much. And I think that led to his downfall there in the turnover department. Yeah, I'll be honest. When I was watching that first game, you know, there were things that I remember talking about and calling out specifically going into this tournament. I remember one of the things was spotlight on DCR. We're going to really need a big man presence down low. Did it. Check. Second one. If we're ever in a situation where there is foul trouble or injury, we're going to need a secondary point guard, one that can come off the bench. And I'll be honest, when Phil Booth and Colin Gillespie both were in early foul trouble, I was like, oh, Oh man, about, about to be calling a lot of things correctly so far. I was feeling myself a little bit. And then I saw him go in, some great things, some really bad things, and then some things that were just way too flashy and just didn't work out, whether it was him dribbling inside getting swatted or doing a no-look pass to a cutting DCR who just wasn't ready. I feel like the offense does get stagnant when he gets the ball. You know, usually we see guys swing it around 
and then when he gets it, he probably dribbles a little too long and then decides to make a move. Defensively, also, that's a whole nother. That's 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 another yeah. thing, too. That's a there's a reason, you know, usually when it comes to teams like this and teams like Nova, if you don't play hard nose D, doesn't matter how well you shoot, you're not or if you don't give great effort, you're not going. You're not going. Yeah. D- defensively, there were, there were some question marks. There were some question marks. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday on <laughs> the championship game, and he was gifted with a DNP. Oklahoma State only played like three minutes. He took one shot, and then they, they yanked him. I don't know if it was because of the shot. I didn't think it was because it was. There were, there were rumors. There were rumblings going around. We have we have detectives. We have oh, private oh, really? investigators in the oh. comment section. You, you, there, there's a narrative going around. I, I don't know if I want to touch it, but there is it. There, <laughs> apparently, something was said for people who were there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because you know nothing's confirmed. It could all just be people making up narratives or you know kind of reading into things a little too too much. But um. Yeah, apparently there's something was said. And overall, though, when Quinterly was out there, and granted, there were mistakes. There were some good things when he was out there against Canisius. I did like having the secondary ball handler off the bench. I still believe in JQ. I think right now he, you know, there's some things to work on. But overall, I do want to see him get minutes. Grant, I'm not asking for 20. We're not there yet. He's not there yet. <laughs> A few minutes here and there to... Give Phil and Colin Gillespie some breathers, some breaks. Have a secondary playmaker off the bench. Do not put all the stress on them. And against Canisius, I thought it helped a little bit. There were some good things. But overall, I do still have faith in JQ. I know that that faith has been shaken for a few people, some people, who it's fair. It's honestly a very polarizing topic right now. Yeah. No, for sure, and I bet you if Villanova had lost, oh, this would be this would be the top topic. But it's amazing how winning can just mask everything. You lose to Michigan and Furman in a week, and the hot topic is why isn't our star freshman point guard not playing? Now that Villanova wins three in a row, and it's like it's like the fifth or sixth topic of discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. D- DCR is God. Colin Gillespie, clutch, Arch two Phil Booth, Eric Pascal, big time against Oklahoma State, beating up the Big 12 again, winning the Advocare Invitational, beating another quality opponent, great resume boosters, and then kind of just off to the side, it's like, oh, why are we playing him? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's amazing how narratives change just week to week. Winning is the best deodorant. It is. It really is. You kind of had touched on something that I I kind of want to talk about. The, The minute distribution in that last game i felt that the the missed free throws toward the end from booth and pascal was was fatigue was a little bit fatigued they hit the front rim and it, it just looked very it looked like tired legs i don't i don't know i it, it's possible they just had a bad shooting stretch there but i think a little bit of fatigue like led to that and i don't know what you think about that I mean, I'm I'm all for the spread the minutes out. I'm still in that camp. I still do think that we should spread it out a little more between our starters playing a bulk of the minutes, which in the Florida State game, I'll, I'll kind of give a pass for because it, it is a championship game and I'm sure they are playing to win. But overall, uh, the only people getting some minutes outside of the starting five is it seems to be Joe Cremo, Cole Swider, and Jermaine Samuels. And between the three of them, they're playing a combined 30, 38 minutes, 35 minutes. Definitely would like it spread out more. Still in that camp. Still in that camp. Yeah. Oh, I, as am I. 
you can make an argument that they weren't tired because they had just had the day off before. So, like, I guess they were kind of rested, but at the same time, they just played two games before that and kind of played extensively in an Oklahoma State game, especially in a game that was a blowout. I was kind of shocked that Jay didn't go to the bench as much as he should. I felt like he should have gone to the bench more. So maybe that led to it as well. But, yeah, it's they got to spread out the minutes. But like you said, it was the championship game against a quality opponent, so you, I guess you want to run your best guys out there. I get that. At the same time, when you go up against the Oklahoma State and you're blowing them out, get them on the bench earlier. Get get your freshmen out there. Just get some guys deeper on the bench out there because you got to give them you got to give them rest. Yeah, I still don't think that these rotations are set in stone yet. I still think that Jay is still tinkering around for sure, but he'll have a lot of time to think about it with this week off leading into LaSalle on Saturday. In the meantime, though, you know, we're talking about big wins. We're talking about winning being the Biggest deodorant after missing a week on the polls. Look who's right back at it. Coming in at 23. Shout out Jermaine Samuels in both the AP and USA Today coaches polls. We're the only biggest team that is ranked. So we have now restarted the streak of consecutive weeks with a biggest team in the top 25. But overall, though, we got to give a shout out to the rest of the biggies. Feast week was very kind. You had Seton Hall beating Miami in their tournament. St. John's beat Cal, and then they beat VCU to win the Legends Classic in Brooklyn. And then Creighton had a nice win over, well, the now unranked Clemson. At the time, they were 16, I believe. Yeah, 16. So overall, it was a pretty nice week for the Big East. Yeah, and the pollsters took notice as uh, Creighton and St. John's ended up receiving votes. So yeah, it's good to see because everyone keeps saying, and us us included, that it's going to be a down year for the Big East. And after Villanova's bad week last week, a lot of people were like, oh, Big East might only be a one-bid conference. And it's that's still possible, but at least for one week, the Big East can rest on its laurels a bit and they can lay claim to the fact that four of its teams won their Feast Week tournaments. So good week for the Big East. Maybe Creighton and St. John's can creep into the low end of the polls there. I mean, Creighton's going to have an opportunity on December 1st and when they play number one, well, now number one Gonzaga. So that that's a big opportunity for them to, to get right back into it. So that would, that would be pretty nice for the biggies. It would be. And they're definitely not going to, they're going to have some work to do. It's going to be a very big mountain to climb, but it's funny going into Thanksgiving, we were talking about the downfall of Nova, the perils of the big East. So much has changed. So much has changed in just a week. Yeah. And I bet you It'll be a completely different viewpoint when we get together next week to talk about stuff. It's going to be, uh, it just varies week to week. And I think everybody just just calm down a bit. Like we said, hands off the panic button. Oh, I know what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about Nova climbing up the poles a little bit. And then we're going to talk about how they're going to destroy the big five. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it starts with, uh, starts with LaSalle, right? Oh, yeah, it does. And I bet you, because I'm saying this right now, we're going to jinx it. Oh, We'll see. We'll see. Villanova's going to lose. But yeah, it all starts up this Saturday against LaSalle. 3 p.m. tip-off. If you can't make it, it's going to be on ESPN2. We've got a couple games on ESPN. I'm surprised that you know two of the four Big Five games we'll be playing are on some sort of ESPN network. No, good. I am I'm happy to see that because maybe they'll finally get Colin's name right. Connor? Connor? Colin? Oh, yeah, right. Chris? Chris Gillespie? <laughs> Chris Gillespie, yeah. No, just keep, just throw all the C names. Just throwing all the C names. Mm -hmm. So this is the first big five game of the year. Always exciting. 
clearly it's going to be everyone's introduction who happens to be watching it on ESPN2, who's not familiar with Philadelphia area basketball. It's going to be their introduction to the Big Five, this great round-robin rivalry that we have. Nova's won it for a while now. Nice streak going. First one up is the Explorers. They're going to play at the Palestra. Ashley Howard, the former Nova assistant head coach, is going up against his former boss. He's also going to be looking to capture that first win. It's been a rough start for Ashley Howard and his Explorers. They're 0-7 on the year. They have losses against the likes of Temple, Lafayette, Florida, Drexel, Miami, Northwestern, and Grand Canyon. Try Now, granted, a couple of these games were close. Could have gone either way, especially the Lafayette game and the Drexel game. Those were decided by a basket or two. Temple game, single digits. But everything else has just been bad. Look, we've lamented Pookie Powell on this show. Uh-huh. Ever since we shout him out, he always has a pretty decent game against Nova and puts him on upset watch for a little bit. Yeah, he's got his own club, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pookie Powell Club. Do you think he can put Nova on upset alert? Do you think Nova's big five streak is in any sort of jeopardy? I doubt it. Sal's just looked really, really bad. Like, 0-7 to start. Like, I didn't think they'd be this bad. I mean, I expected a drop-off, but, like, just not not this bad. Like, 0-7. Sheesh. I mean, Pookie... Boogie's doing everything in his power to, to keep him afloat, though. He's averaging 18 points a game, four four boards a game. I mean, he, he's trying. He's, he's absolutely trying, but I, I just don't know if it'll be enough. Obviously, the last time Villanova went there or played with Sal on the road, it was a tough game, and that came out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And that was with a veteran-laden team, maybe with a more freshman-oriented, younger-oriented team. It, could get to him a bit. I, I'm just tr- just trying to throw some play some devil's advocate there. I really doubt it, but they'll be fine. But also to keep your eye out on for LaSalle, got Isaiah Dees. He's the only other guy averaging over 10 points a game with 13.3. And also of note, LaSalle has Tracy Carter, who is known for BBB, and we are not talking about Big Baller brand. Just do a quick Google search for Tracy Carter Villanova. You'll know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Tracy Carter's career has not been the same since he pulled that stunt as a Marquette player in front of the Villanova bench. And then it just seemed like he dropped off, transferred out, ended up at LaSalle. And it seemed, I don't know what the heck the waiting period has been, but he has just been off the radar since that 2016 game. Yeah, talk about an absolute fall from grace, I guess. Wasn't much grace to begin with, but it was such a weird moment too. It was like, why? Like, why? Like, why'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, you just trimmed the lead down from nineteen to sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> so like, it wasn't like an important part of the game at all. It was already garbage time. I, I didn't get it, but hilarious nonetheless. So Pookie Powell definitely got to watch out for. So is Deese Carter. He's a two-way guard. Doesn't score much, but he can really dish and generate some defense. Overall, though, this team is just not shooting hot. As you mentioned, it's Brick City right now. 30.1% from deep, f- under 40% overall on the floor. They can't play defense. They've allowed 83 points per game. Chris, I don't know what else to say other than what is your prediction for this Saturday? I think Villanova wins. Yeah, nice start to make my play. I mean, again, devil's advocate could be a letdown because, you know, just coming off the high of beating the number four team in the na- 14 team in the nation, winning three in a row and away from home and all that in the tournament and the next thing you know you get blindsided by a by a rival who's coached by one of your former coaches just playing devil's advocate don't think it's going to happen but that's a possible narrative to, to watch out for
Once again, the game is this Saturday at the Palestra. Tips off at 3 p.m. So pivoting over from the men's side, we got to look at the women's side. They were also in Florida. They were also in Orlando. They were also cheering on for the men's team. They made a few appearances over there in Disney World. Shout-outs to them. Unfortunately, though, their time in Orlando was not as happy. It was pretty tough, actually. They had a couple games get away from them in the UCF Thanksgiving Classic. First up was just an absolute heartbreaker against Virginia Tech, who launched a fourth-quarter rally, had a last-second and-one to win the game. Nova lost to the Hokies 61-59. But then they came back, consolation game against the tournament host, the UCF Golden Knights, and they just beat them up in the first half. Things were looking good. But then in the second half, the Golden Knights just spurred ahead, went on to beat them 71-56, to absolutely just throttled them in the second half. And Nova all of a sudden went from looking good to now they're in a little panic situation of their own after a rough weekend in Orlando and Florida. Back-to-back losses. Chris, what were your takeaways from this Thanksgiving tournament down there for the women's team? I think the big takeaway is unfortunately a negative, and the fact it's the fact that they just been absolutely destroyed on the boards against Virginia Tech. They lost the rebounding battle, forty-three to twenty-three, with the Lady Cats grabbing just one rebound of the offensive variety. Not a recipe for success there. And then against UCF, they were out rebounded, forty-three to thirty-two. You're not going to win many games when you're getting out rebounded like that. And we know it's not the strength of Villanova's. You know they're an outside team. It's all about the three. Live and die by the three. Shoot them up, sleep in the trees, that whole thing. And they really aren't that big inside. I get that. But at the same time, you got to combat that. You either got to hit your shots, which they weren't doing over the weekend, or you got to just find a way to just grab some offensive rebounds to get those extra shots. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, it was rough. They were just getting eaten up on the boards. And with a team like Virginia Tech, they punished them. They really punished Villanova there. We know, it, like you said, it's been a weakness, and they're going to live and die by the three. They're going to go as far as our offense goes. It's a little demoralizing when you lose two games in the second half. Obviously, the Virginia Tech game was way worse, losing in the fourth quarter when you had a nice, healthy lead going into it. I don't know. Is this going to be something that we're going to have to worry about? Is this something or nothing, not being able to close out these games? Because it seemed like something that they were pretty good at last year. In yeah, the we, first half of the season. Yeah, we literally just talked about it last week, how good they were at closing games last year. I think it just really just comes down to just making shots. I, I think that they just struggled from beyond the arc. Outside of Kelly Jaycott, who had two pretty good games over the weekend, the rest of the team wasn't shooting all that great. And as a result, it, it showed up in the box score. It showed up to, in a collapse against Virginia Tech, and it showed up in a second-half collapse against UCF. So I think if they just start to hit their threes like they did last year, I think they'll be fine. But, it's a little, yeah, it is a little concerning that in back-to-back games, you kind of just pull the same stunt in the second second half. Yeah, and we saw in the opening week of the season that when the threes were unfalling, they were able to adjust and they were able to attack the inside or go inside the arc and find a lot of success there. But it just seemed like they weren't having it against these teams that just absolutely – Got hot at the wrong time, and Nova was going absolutely ice cold at the wrong time. couple bright spots, though. The turnovers, Nova doesn't really do it that much, and I thought that was nice to see. And also, like you said, Kelly Jaycott has just been phenomenal so far this season. Absolutely great. This is exactly what Harry Preda envisioned when he recruited her. Just a five-star talent. Had a very, very slow freshman season, and that just kind of, you know, put a little doubt out there coming off the bench and just didn't really shoot well. You could see the flashes, but just really 
had a hard time adjusting to the college game, it seemed like. Sophomore year was great. She was solid, but now this year she seems to be the leading person, and we thought that this was going to be the Adriana Han show. It seemed like we have a nice little three-headed monster there with Han, Jaycott, and Mary Gadeka, who was last year's Big East Sixth Woman of the Year. So they have a nice core to build around. They have a nice core to play around. But right now, Kelly Jaycott has really emerged to the forefront for me right now, so far this season. Against UCF, Villanova did have three scores in double digits. Han and Gadeka were able to drop 13 and 11, respectively. Gadeka even got a rebounds, but she needs she needs help on the boards there. Gadeka does. And then Jaycott needs help in, in the scoring department. UCF really destroyed Villanova via the bench. I think Villanova has a decent bench, but same time, I think they don't have as much depth as some of these other teams do. And UCF absolutely took it to them with two of their players dropping 17 and 14 points off the bench. And just as a result, Villanova's bench players just weren't able to keep up with that. And just the starting lineup and the bench players just aren't able to keep up with that. It was a bad weekend. Every team has their bad weekends. But at the same time, if they can just clean up the fourth quarter, second half, they'll be okay. And one thing that was great, though, last night we got to see them correct some of the issues that they had down in Orlando, down at the UCF Thanksgiving Classic against Princeton at home. Basically, everything that went wrong for them when it came to getting destroyed on the boards, not closing out games, not having second half strong finishes, was everything was corrected. Nova just dismantled Princeton. And granted, this is a Princeton team that's hurting. Not 100%, not full strength. But Nova took care of business, absolutely throttled the Tigers 67-46 to at home. The Tigers were without their star player, Bella Allery, who was fantastic against Nova last year, who really made this rematch look pretty exciting because last year they played at Princeton. This year was coming back home, and Allery had just torched Nova for 29 points, almost had a double-double, had a ton of blocks and steals to go along with it. So it was exciting to see how their phenom would do against this new look hat. But obviously you just got to take what you can get. And Nova just saw the opportunity, took advantage, dominated before they even entered the arena. Yeah, basically everything we were just talking about just got flipped on its head. Villanova was able to win the rebounding battle, as you had made mention of, 39-32, to with 12 of those rebounds coming of the offensive variety which is something they could not do during their Thanksgiving tournament. Kelly Jaycott, unfortunately, did have a pretty bad game, 2 of 12 from the field, 0 of 5 from deep, but she got support from elsewhere. Mary Gadeka posted a double-double with 15 points and 12 boards. Adriana Hahn hit three of her six threes, good for 17. Jana Tucker even contributed with nine. So it was good to see help from elsewhere, and it was good to see them actually rebound the ball at a pretty decent pace. Now, obviously... Like you said, their star player was out, Princess star player was out, and she contributed on the boards immensely in the last matchup against Villanova. But like you said, take what you can get. You got to play with what's out there, what you got available, and Villanova was able to make the best of it. Princeton, they're hurting right now, aside from Allery being out, another one of their promising freshmen from last season. She's also out with some weird academic mishap that caused her to be out for a year. It was cited as just a quote-unquote misunderstanding, uh, I think it's a little more than a misunderstanding if it means you're sitting out for a year. Just putting all that aside, it just it's been a rough start for Princeton while they're waiting for Allery to come back from injury. Until then, it was good to see other players start to get it going, especially when Jaycott hadn't been able to. You know, it's only a matter of time. Everything just evens itself out eventually. And at some point, the hot start did have to take a little bit of a step back. But it was good to see Gadeka and Han go in. 
Erlahi had a nice day off the bench, got shifted from the starting lineup over in favor of Grace Stant and just her coming off the bench. She did a little bit of everything. Nine points, six boards, three assists. I liked her game. And then just looking overall, though, I thought the rebounding battle was very important. And also defensively, Princeton couldn't hit anything. They shot just 34.5% on the floor, 17.6 from deep. It was just Nova's night. Yeah, it was certainly their night on the defensive end. And in the second half, too. You look at the line score, Villanova did post some separation in the second quarter, outscoring Princeton 15-7 to to give them a, a pretty substantial halftime lead. But in the second half, they won both quarters in terms of points. And in the fourth quarter, they had their biggest spread of the night. So that's uh, encouraging, at least going forward, because as we just mentioned, in the Thanksgiving tournament, the second half was where they struggled a bit. Totally. It was nice to see Nova close it out. It was also nice to see Harry Preda pick up his 750th career win as the Nova head coach. But just moving on up there for Harry, longtime head coach of the women's team. He'll look to make it 751 this weekend. When the Cats go up against the St. Joe's Hawks, first big five game of the year for the ladies. St. Joe's, not so great so far to start. They're two and four. They already lost two of their big five games. They lost to Temple. They also lost to Penn earlier. This is a team that last year, it seemed like offense was their forte. They had some great veteran players. This year, it seems like the narratives changed around a little bit. What can we expect from the Hawks? Yeah, the start of the year, St. Joe's seems to be a little bit uh, offensively challenged. They're shooting just 34.5% from the field overall and 22.4% from beyond the arc. That is, that, those are some pretty atrocious percentages there. And that's good for only 50.3 points per game. Not exactly the most offensively talented team. But like you said, it, it's kind of weird. They, they usually have been good on offense, but I, I don't know, maybe just a bad start to the year. Uh, posting a two and four record on top, so it it's just hasn't been the greatest. But if you want to look out for some individuals, see there's senior Alyssa Monahan, who I remember mentioning last year. She's averaging eleven points per game and just under five assists per game as well. Uh, some other feature players are Michaela Clay, who is the leading rebound getter with five per game and contributing around five points per game as well. And there's also Katie Jaycott, who is the sister of Nova's very own Jaycott Kelly. Uh, she's averaging just around seven points per game as well. Yeah, and I think last year, Katie was actually injured for the previous showdown, so we never yeah. got to see them go up against each other. This year, we'll definitely get to see it happen. And unfortunately for Katie, I think her older sister is about to take her and St. Joe's to school. I think Nova should take care of business. This is a team that's absolutely struggling in almost every department. I think the way that Nova played against Princeton was very promising. This is another team that's also hurting with change, not off to a good start. And I think Nova should see this, and this should be another strong win for them. Yeah, I happen to agree with you there. And hopefully this means, you know, can get a little win streak going. Yeah, before the Cats take on the Hawks, the Hawks will actually have to play Columbia tonight. So we can see a little bit more of what how this team's actually going to look going in. I think we're probably going to see more of the same. We'll get a pretty good close to game day gauge of how they'll do against Nova. Meanwhile, Nova's just, just sitting pretty till Sunday. This is going to be a 2 p.m. tip-off. It's going to be on the road. It's going to be at Hagen Arena. I think Nova should go in there, take one, and we're going to be talking. Hopefully, we're going to be talking about that on Tuesday. It's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, 
answer your questions that you, the listeners, have sent to us. As always, you can tweet us at S-O-N-N-Pod. We'll talk about your questions on the show. First up, we got a couple from Mike Jacobs, Seattle Mike J. His first one is, what was your favorite dessert that you had last week? It's got to be apple pie for me. Apple pie and pumpkin pie, big pie guy. Pie's pretty good. Pie's pretty good. Uh, my favorite one were the uh, almond brownies that my mom made. That was that was uh, fire. Almond brownie. That's oh. non-traditional, but I like it. Oh, yeah. It Sounds was like fantastic. Almond dark chocolate brownies. It was so good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we had a, a smaller Thanksgiving this year. A lot of family was away, mm. so it was pretty laid back. That's good. We had our usual... Usual suspects. I think we had nine, nine people, ten people. Usually we have like 20, 30. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. That's way too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot to prepare for there. The next question from Mike Jacobs is, what kind of car is Eugene looking to buy? So for the third time in a month, my car stalled out on the highway. And the first two times was a transmission problem. And I haven't even gotten the diagnosis yet. This was on Saturday. This was on my way to work. Horrible day. And I'm about 95% sure it's a transmission problem. The guy in the tow truck said, oh, it must be your transmission. I was like, ooh, that's what it was two times already this month. And he, his, eye, his eyes bulged. Like, <laughs> eyes bulged, jaws dropped when I told him this was the third time in a month. And this car, is, mind you, is not even five years old has about 45,000 miles on it. So it is by no means in bad shape. Uh, you know, Mike, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm hoping that the repairs work this time around. Third, third time's a charm, right? Right? I, I honestly hope so. I honestly hope so. I had no idea you got screwed the third time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Three third times time already? just under a month. And you, it's brand new. Well, brand newish. It's That's crazy. Yeah, it's not it's not that old at all. She should get like a nineteen thirty nine like Model T Ford or something like that. <laughs> With a little wind up the crank thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that won't give you any problem. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm honestly banking on the third time being the charm because I don't know what else I'll do. I really, really don't want to deal with buying a car again. Oh Yeah, no, that doesn't that doesn't sound fun. Hey, my car's in no better shape either. We, we, we both have had our uh, misfortunes with our cars lately. It's an SNN curse. Yeah, we will be starting a GoFundMe for cars. So if you really <laughs> appreciate the show, you know, forget the questions. Just uh, forget the GoFundMe. You can Venmo me. You just Venmo me. <laughs> this next question is from Jeffrey Callahan. Where will JQ transfer after the season wraps up? And he has had a total of 25 minutes. Jeffrey, don't say that. Don't make me sad. I was, doing, I was having a great Thursday, and now I'm just sad. Yeah, we were we were doing so good. Got through a whole episode without being all that upset about it, and now now we are reminded of it. But the answer is Arizona. So no, no. Look, look. I'm gonna do the thing that everyone's been doing: totally irresponsible and unfounded speculation. And on Daryl Reynolds' uh, Instagram story last night, it was him, Sadiq Bay, and Javon Quinley going on a nice little shopping spree, and they looked like they were all laughing and smiling. So I think he's staying. Sure. A man can only dream. I'm still holding on to that JQ sign that I will bring to a game when I go. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. 
on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Podomatic. You have many, many options. And when you do so, please rate us five star, five star, five star, five star. It helps us get the show out to all the nationers around the world. We got a couple more shouting us out from across the pond, and we really appreciate them, our international listeners. Also, please check back at viewhoops.com every day, often 24 7. Honestly, you should be on it all the time, and you should be joining the party in the comments section or reading one of the fine articles we have on that site. You can also follow VU Hoops at VU Hoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Erepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at The Stance Man on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Let's get this first big five win of the season, and then it's just onwards from there. Knock them all out, but like dominoes.